Peach Pundit the Podcast is a conversation filled with the personal opinions of the people who are participating. Any view or opinion expressed belongs only to the person who expressed it and not with anyone with whom that person is professionally affiliated. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode of Peach Pundit, the podcast, trademark. I am Scott Turner, joined tonight by my good friend, Buzz Brockway. How are you, Buzz? I'm good. How, how are you, Scott? I I had this uh, an outstanding Thanksgiving yeah. experience. We had my brother-in-law hiked the Appalachian Trail a couple years ago, and he got about three quarters of the way through it, and he was served divorce papers while he was on the trail. Oh, my goodness. And so he came off, like he, he quit, like he marched all the way up to Connecticut and bailed on his try. And then he decided he would go back and try a second time. So he's done it one and three quarters time. He's, he summited Mount Katahdin on his second try and he met a girl out there and he moved to Portland, Oregon. And this girl is outstanding. She's completely charming, normal, and his dream girl. And he flew her in, he's been living out there for seven or eight months, and he flew her in to meet the family, and we were all blown away by it. So, Ryan, if you're listening, don't screw that up, man. <laughs> don't screw that awesome. How was your Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was good. We visited with family, as we always do, and my oldest daughter, oddly enough, contracted COVID, so she had to miss the festivities, but- Oh, no. She's doing fine. It was, you know- I don't know what strain it was or whatever they call them, the one these days, the umpteenth variation, but it was just like a mild cold for her. Oh. So. Well, at least it wasn't bad, but she yep. thinks that she hadn't missed this yes. stuff. Who else is missing? Obviously, Jason Pye yeah. is not here with us tonight. Jason has two jobs now. Not only is he working for Due Process, he's also working for Freedom Works, yeah. the, the original Tea Party organization, you know. The, right. We're going to take our country back organization. That's who Jason works for. And he has multiple deadlines. He called me today like, hey, is it okay if I, it's like, are you asking me like I'm your employer or something? Like, of course it's okay. I, I gave him a hard time at first. I was you're like, you're his third boss. So. I don't know how we're going to get along without you, man. And he's like, is that, <laughs> is that sarcasm? I was like, of course it's sarcasm. <laughs> of course it's sarcasm. Dude, you're killing yourself working in these jobs. <laughs> But I tell you what, uh, we're going to jump into this packed agenda tonight, and we're going to start off by telling you about our friends at Lee6 Media, because election season, believe it or not, is only three months away. We're three months from qualifying. And if you're considering a run for state legislature, your county school board, or school or a county commission, you need to get some guidance. And there are folks out there who are willing to give you a roadmap to victory. And if that roadmap's not in front of you right now, you need to pick up the phone and call our friends at Lee6 Media. Go over to their website. You can get $1,000 of free time and resources to get you started in your campaign completely free. When you meet with Lee6 Media, you will leave that first meeting with that roadmap to success. He's not sizing you up. He's not trying to test you and see how much he can pat his own wallet with your money. He's going to actually show you how to win. So go over and visit Lee6Media.com. Click the button, Start Dominating. And you'll want to hire them after you meet with them. Lee6media.com. Thank you to Lee6media for being 
an outstanding partner-level Patreon to Peach Pundit the podcast. Buzz, the boys are back in town, as they say. And, and the girls. And the girls, of course. The, the General Assembly has been called into a special session. And how did we get here? Well, Why? because Colton Moore demanded that there be a special session, right? Yeah, that we wanted to get rid of Fonnie Willis and impeach her, right? That's the reason for the... No, it's not the reason. We'll talk about Colton Moore coming up on yes. the show. He's got his own segment. He's got his own segment yes. for doing only what Colton Moore can do. So we'll talk about Colton Moore coming up. But the, the there was a special session called after a federal judge named Steve Jones decided to toss Georgia's legislative maps, including state house, state senate, and our congressional maps. He said that there were not enough districts drawn in, in our current maps that would allow for a majority African-American population to have the opportunity to vote in a block. And therefore, the legislature had to draw new maps. He told the, the state Senate they needed to up the number by two. They, he told the state house they needed to up their number by five and that the congressional delegation would need to be upped by one. Now, the state did not uh, appeal for or apply for a stay of this decision, which is something that I th think is kind of weird, but mm -hmm. you know we can talk about that in a second. The state decides not to uh, apply for a stay, but they are appealing the decision, so it's possible that we're going through all of this for no reason at all if it goes up the, the chain and the higher courts strike it down. But they have until December 8th, to submit new maps, or the judge is threatened that he would assign a special master to draw the maps for the state. Mm -hmm. uh, all of this is in accordance with the Voter Rights Act. And so Governor Kemp, in late October, said on the 29th of, of November, the legislature will meet for this purpose. Did I miss anything, Buzz? Is, that's kind of how no. we got here, right? That's it. Yep. And so every year, uh, until recently, every 10 years, the legislatures had to submit their maps for pre-clearance. This is, I think, only the second time that Correct. under, under yep. the old provision of the Voter Rights Act, which was act ultimately ruled unconstitutional. Section three, I believe. Yeah. They had to submit the maps for pre-clearance to the federal government. And the federal government would say, OK, and the last time the, the Republican drawn maps did that it, under the Obama administration, the maps were submitted and approved by the Obama administration with no problems. This particular time, they the judge ruled that the population growth in Georgia has been fueled by minorities and African-Americans specifically, and, there, and that the legislature did not draw enough of these districts that were authoritarian African-American. That being said, there are multiple ways to skin a cat, as they say. <laughs> and we had engaged in some wild and unfounded speculation on this podcast just a few weeks ago, where I mentioned that, mm, you know, it's possible the Democrats are going to be redrawn into districts that mm -hmm. would be majority African-American, and that it wouldn't really impact many of the Republicans that the Democrats were hoping would have, they would be able to get rid of through this redistricting process. And lo and behold, what has happened? <laughs> what has happened? Yeah, they drew maps. This, I mean, this, it's easier to do this in the Senate than in the House. So in the Senate, they created new majority-minority, majority, majority African-American districts, as the judge instructed. 
they left much of Georgia untouched. So this really just impacts the metro area. And you know, we'll we'll have the the, the partisan desire uh, the partisan divide would likely remain the same under these proposed maps. So right. the House, it's a little trickier. There are some Republicans put in jeopardy. I know we'll talk about one such pairing, but there's some other, uh, at least one other Democrat, uh, excuse me, one other Republican, Ken Vance, whose district is probably tougher for a Republican to win under the new maps than under the district that he currently lives in. But mostly it's a similar situation. They are pairing Democrats together. They are creating a majority African-American districts where, in, in areas where Democrats uh, currently hold those seats. Because, I mean, look, I mean, this has been the huge debate, one of the many debates, excuse me, around reapportionment and redistricting for a long time. There are people who want to outlaw uh, drawing districts with partisan makeup in mind. And the Supreme Court has not ruled against that. You can do that just you know, as long as it's not egregious and you don't have crazy looking districts that you know, stretch uh, for miles and miles. You know, you're supposed to guard, protect what they call the three C's. That districts have to be contiguous. They need to protect communities of interest and need to become as compact as possible. That's kind of the things that judges look at, as well as very, you know, many other things, compliance with the law, but that's kind of the rules of thumb. So you can draw you know, districts to, that favor one party or over another, just not doing it in a racial way. But you know, we'll talk about this as we go along here, but Democrats almost use African-American voters and Democrats, Democratic voters interchangeably. And, you know, sure, 90 plus percent of African-Americans will vote for the Democratic Party. So, but the judge didn't say increase the number of Democratic districts. So why would Republicans go try to do, you know, Republicans are going to try to minimize that as much as possible. Right. And And as you can imagine, Democrats are are upset about that. Right, right. The Democrats thought, (laughs) the judge said, draw more Democrat districts. And Mm -hmm. the Senate read the, the actual letter of the order, the court order forcing them to redraw these maps and say, all right, we're not really going to draw more Democrat districts. What we're going to do is we're going to draw Elena Parent, a white female Democrat, into a majority African-American district, whereas before her district was fewer than 30% of her district was African-American. Now it will be a majority African-American district. Jason Estevez, who is an African-American state senator, his district is also moving considerably up. It was under 30% and will now be a majority African-American district. Some of these districts, you know, whereas before they, they sort of, if you looked at the map without understanding the demographics of the population, they made sense because they were just like basically blobs in a geographic area that sort of, you know, that was, you could easily drive around that area. Now, for example, the 38th Senate district goes all the way from South Fulton Basically, almost a Fayetteville <laughs> and Noonan, yeah. all the way into uh, almost Dunwoody, Sandy Springs area. Like it is a huge stretch. This, we're talking th- yeah. thirty miles or something north south, and only a, a couple of miles wide. And and that's because Georgia is largely integrated. 
you know, we don't have, or yeah. it is becoming, it, there are still areas that are predominantly white or Hispanic or, you know, there are still those areas, but it's right. far more integrated now than it ever has been. Less and less. Right. right. It's, and it's going to be more challenging into the future to draw these districts with race in mind because you're going to end up with really gerrymandered, like taking parts of streets as opposed to entire neighborhoods in order to meet mm -hmm. these. It's going to be difficult to do this moving forward in Georgia. Other yeah. states, I don't know, but in the Atlanta metro area, it is, you know, becoming increasingly integrated and going to be more difficult for the state senate. Yeah, but and this, I mean, look, I mean, this this is a, a broader discussion. Are you know, and and e even have people on the left, you know, beginning to question this now. Does it serve the public? Does it serve really even African Americans? And this, I'm thinking of Cynthia Tucker. She is. She, it's been a while since she's been around. She was a longtime opinion writer at the Atlanta Journal Constitution, a African American, very much of the left. Uh, even she started to say, you know, are we really serving the best interests of African Americans to continue to demand majority African American districts, or would it be better, you know, to to not to to think of other things that are you know to approach. African American political power in a different way, and so I, you know, we're gonna. It's gonna get harder and harder, as you mentioned, Scott. In in Gwinnett County, yes, there are neighborhoods that are more African American than other, than they used to be. But I remember back in 2010 when I was there, we were trying to, you know, we were looking at the maps as they related to Gwinnett County. We we're thinking, boy, if the if the court told us that we had to come up with a African American district, you know, Gwinnett County at that time, it's more so now, Gwinnett County at that time, as I recall, is around 30% African-American. It's more now. It would have been really hard, and I think it would still be hard to draw a house seat that's majority African-American uh, because folks just live all over the place. And right. so you know, they live where they want to live, and uh, they don't necessarily, you know, want to be cordoned off. You know, they want to live where they want to live. They don't necessarily choose it because it's an African-American neighborhood or a Hispanic neighborhood or a white neighborhood or right. any of those things anymore. So right. and that's a good thing. Yeah, we should live. People should live where they want to live. Right. Uh, right. So, so. In, in the Senate, though, there, nobody was drawn together. There were no Democrat right. versus Democrats. Yeah, and again, like you said earlier, Buzz, this is easier to do in the Senate because it's larger geographic areas. There's 56 yep. senators versus 180 House reps. So yep. on the House side, though, Buzz, there will yeah. be blood. Yes. There, there will be blood. There will be members, specifically six Democrats, drawn into mm -hmm. three separate districts that will have to, incumbents that will have to face off against each other next year. And interestingly, well, an added little wrinkle, one pairing of two sitting Republicans will have to. Right. Together. And I, I live in one of these districts you mentioned, Scott, uh, Representative Greg, Representatives Greg Kennard and Sam Park were drawn in together. I live currently in Greg Kennard's district. I guess I need to look at the map. I don't know what district I live in. I haven't even, <laughs> I've just looked at, I haven't looked at it granularly down to the street level yeah. to see where I am now. You could but, be in uh, a com completely different district now. I, I could be. Yeah. I mean, I might be because literally across the street is Representative Sue Hong. I mean, literally the, the street that runs in front of my house is the dividing line. So it's possible that you possible. you have been yep. moved. You just got to go check. But Greg Kennard was your successor. 
when yes. you decided to leave the legislature, Greg won, was that 2018? Yep. And Sam Park is a I member of leadership leave. now. I think yeah, he's chairman he of the caucus and, um, or vice chair of the caucus. Yeah. yeah. Sam set me when I was yeah. in the legislature and I got to know Sam really well. I, I knew Greg a little bit. I've attended mm-hmm. some events that Greg and I have been at, at the same thing around criminal justice reform, but Sam sat behind me and he would, he was always interested in why I was voting the way that I was. And so one of the, you know, he would like, Hey, I just noticed you voted no on that with us Democrats. Why did you vote? No. And I would explain my reason why. And it was like, okay, that's not my reason for voting. No. I was like, (laughs) I know it's not your reason. We have different reasons for voting for the same thing. But most of the time I voted for something because it favored one group over another. That was the (laughs) biggest thing for me. But, but Sam is a good guy. He's, he again has ascended to, to leadership. He's an Asian American from Gwinnett County, and that'll be an interesting race to watch. Sam, I think of the two, is probably more engaged. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, and look, I'll, I'll just say this: Greg Kennard runs a ministry that assists. Well, I guess I guess the phrase he might use would be justice-involved individuals, <laughs> people who have a who you know folks who are who are coming out of prison. He helps them get jobs, and that's a you know, that's a good thing. Kudos to him for that. So that'll be interesting. It, what, here's the thing that I remember, Scott, back in the last time this happened, that our maps were tossed out was when Roy Barnes drew the maps, and they were egregious gerrymandering all over the place. So anytime, I always chuckle when Democrats in Georgia complain about gerrymandering. And mm-hmm. I said, nothing Republicans have ever done has any, come anywhere close to what Roy Barnes did in 2000. Uh, but yeah, that's the yeah, case that threw out multi-member districts and proportional yes. representation that made yes established that as unconstitutional in Georgia. And you know, I, I don't remember all that led to this, but eventually judges drew the map. A special master drew the map, and the judge didn't care where anybody lived, and there were a whole bunch of incumbents, yeah, uh, tossed in together, and uh, through negotiation, all of those disappeared. So I, you know, I wonder if, you know, I think what, what we'll have to look and see, especially in the case of the two Republicans, I know we'll talk about them, are, can you swap a couple precincts in districts around these districts on the Democrat, in, to affect these Democrats and Republicans to where you eliminate a group of these and you still achieve what the lawyers think will be something that the, you know, that will comply with right. what the judge wants to see happen. When so. the legislature draws a map, they start with, where do I, where do my members live? And yes. how can I protect my incumbents the best that I possibly can? Yeah. From having to do what another race, Terry Nolowitz versus Doug Stoner, which is fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Terry Nolowitz, in, in full disclosure, is a, an ally of mine in the civil asset forfeiture stuff. Her yep. husband, Chris, has argued to the state Supreme Court about civil asset forfeiture cases and has been they have been a powerful ally even though we don't agree on very much else but yeah. Terry and I have really teamed up on that issue as well as some others even though we fight each other on things like life and guns and school choice but on some issues she's an ally of mine Doug Stoner I did not serve with when he was in the state senate he was a state senator he got drawn into a district that he could not win and got beat by Hunter Hill and became mm-hmm. a lobbyist for several years. He got reelected last year to the state house. So he has been through the war of a contested yes. race time and again. 
But Terry, an interesting note about Terry Anolowitz, a Democrat from, uh, what is it? Sandy. It was, she, she served on the city council. I want to say Sandy Springs. Is it Sandy Springs? Okay. So that area, it's North Atlanta, around the yeah. perimeter. She's never been contested. Ever. Yeah. She's never had to run a contested primary. Every time she signed her name to qualify for state house, she's been unopposed. So now right. she's going to be in a in a a challenge with a fellow Democrat <laughs> based upon the new maps. God bless them. Here's another interesting one. Cyra Draper, freshman mm-hmm. Democrat, Gwinnett County again. She was most recently the attorney that would sue the state on behalf of the state Democratic Party. Over election right. law issues, I don't think she ever won a case. I think she lost all those cases, but she got elected on that stuff, and she is now drawn in with Becky Evans, who is, mm-hmm. I think, in her third or fourth term. Yeah. we I overlap with Becky. I can't remember how many – Representative Evans, excuse me. I can't remember how many terms, but yeah. But, I, I mean, that's an interesting one because Draper, you know – because of her work for the Democratic Party, probably has a lot of connections, especially among, I would think, I wouldn't be shocked if she had a lot of connections with Democratic attorneys around the state who would send her, you know, might send her checks. Mm. So, yeah, that'd be an interesting one, too. Yep. And then there's the Republican pairing. This mm-hmm. is chairman <laughs> versus chairman. Beth Camp, who is mm-hmm. the chairman of Intergovernmental Coordination, uh, it's a committee that is responsible for all of the local legislation that gets passed through the legislature. And yep. Chairman David Knight, who is yeah. one of the few t- legitimate like CPA, might be the only CPA in the legislature, so, who has the, that level of knowledge of tax code and is most famous for bringing the tax update every year. And also yeah. is a- is, and, and actually being able to understand yeah, it. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And- is I'm going to I'm sure Chairman Knight wouldn't mind me describing him as somewhat of a prickly character. Um, he's a he does not put up with bullshit. He does not tolerate bullshit at any level. And but what was interesting about this? Did you see this press release that Beth Camp and David Knight put out in a joint statement? Yes, that was interesting. Yeah. It was essentially. I mean, it, yeah. it, you know, on, on the surface, you'd think, "Oh, this is a show of unity, a joint press release. How nice!" Right. Yeah. It essentially, came down to, "I like that. I like her. I like him. We're both in. May the best person <laughs> win." Now, all right. So, yes, that is how when you read that, and you know, we'll find out. This is you know, there's several months between now and first of all, the maps have to pass, and we don't know. Oh, these know, are baked. Man. If these, what these, if what we see, if there's going to be changges, will the judge like them, et cetera? Let's say they, let's say it, that all pans out. Rumors floating around now that one of these two is not going to run again, and that there may have been an understanding of that before the maps were drawn. So we'll see. Really? I, you know, I don't know who. On the one hand, you'd assume. I mean, David Knight has been there a long time. He 20 may years. decide, yeah, that he may have been thinking already, this is enough. And then he does have a passion for outdoors sportsmanship. He is the huh? reason why we did not have baiting for deer in Georgia for right. years and years. And then when they did have it, you could only do it in the southern part of the state. And right. 
they they tried to pass legislation to make it legal to bait deer for the entire state, and he stood in the way of that. And Governor Deal basically, through regulation, <laughs> overrode him. Were you there, Scott, when that bill uh, that might have been before you got there? Yeah, bef- it might have been the term before you yeah. got there. Because uh, I'm David Knight gave this impassioned speech of why hunting over bait is wrong. I mean, he had pictures and everything. And it was gru- he has some gruesome photos of what can happen to a deer when it when bait is when you're hunting over bait. Well, um, I'll tell you, but this he did much. not prevail. He but, did not prevail, but he has a passion. He got my vote though. Yeah, he, he has <laughs> yes. a passion for the game fishing parks. That's where he is now. Yes. And if there is an opening in the Department of Natural Resources, he may be a great appointment to something like that. Yeah. So that's something that could still develop. We'll keep our eye on it. Absolutely, because like I said, it's a long. This is just, I mean, you're probably right, Scott. These maps may pass as they have been submitted. Certainly the Senate will not mess with them, and the House will not mess, mess with the Senate maps. But there's a lot left in this process. So I, I, it's wise, I think, of Representatives Camp and Knight to not say anything they might regret later. I, and now a word from one of our partner-level Patreons, Americans for Prosperity, who today sent me this text to say that, that Americans for Prosperity applauds the Senate Study Committee on CON reform for adopting recommendations for a full repeal of the Certificate of Need Law in Georgia. Remain hopeful the full General Assembly will follow the recommendations and pass a full repeal in the upcoming session. That's a message from our friends at Americans for Prosperity. We are grateful for them for being partner-level Patreons. You can learn more about them at americansforprosperity.org. So, Scott, on that, yeah, I know this isn't in our agenda, but I saw this tweet just a little while ago from Greg Bluestein. A deal might be in the works to accept what the Senate's recommendation in exchange for further expansion of Medicaid. See, that was something that Americans for Prosperity warned us about was it last week or yes. two weeks ago in our podcast where, you yeah. know, that's a poison pill. That's a poison pill. Yeah. That there should be a clean repeal of CON. And then we would have some real free market principles at play in our healthcare delivery system where people would be able to set up shop and compete against one another. And we would not have this government mandated lack of supply. So, yeah, we'll see. Don't do it, legislature. That's a bad deal. <laughs> a, Don't do it. It is a bad deal. I, mean, some, I want CON re- repeal, right, but right. some prices are too high to pay. Right. And that would be one for a whole variety of reasons. Oh, boy. Scott, I guess well, I guess we, you know, wrapping things up on redistricting, we don't yet have, unless it's come maps. out here while you and I are talking, we don't have congressional no, maps. and you won't. We? So I've talked to multiple staffers at our, in our within our congressional delegation. My sources tell me that the congressional staff has no idea what the maps are going to look like. They are perplexed. They're scrambling. They're jockeying for position. They're making calls. They're lobbying leadership, but they're not being told. And I spoke with some members today just to see what the vibe was like down there and check in with some folks. And every single one of them has said, we are not talking about congressional maps yet. Like The full focus <laughs> is on state house and state senate maps. They have multiple hearings. 
The legislature has their adjournment resolution set through Monday. So they'll be in today, tomorrow, Friday, and on Monday they'll be back in. But after that, they'll have to have a new adjournment resolution. They have a deadline of the 8th to get all of the maps, including the congressional maps submitted. But nobody knows what the congressional map is going to look like. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I I got it. I mean, look, Democrats, Senate Democrats, I believe it was today. I saw a tweet from Stephen Fowler with a link to the video. They held a press conference and they've got their own maps. And not unsurprisingly, their Democratic maps in the Senate do away with or attempt to do away with two Republicans and give those seats to them. What So they that, that is a partisan redistricting, not a Af- African-American redistricting. So, yeah, but I think the real fight, as far as Democrats are concerned, is going to be over the congressional maps because they want a new seat and that that they think they were denied through the maps is, that were drawn last time. So Yeah, this is the, what's most perplexing about it to me is if you look at the maps the way they're drawn now, the it's really, and you look at the demographic data, like income, socioeconomic status, not just demographics about race, but demographics about right. education level, age, uh, uh, median property value. These things, like it's really clear that the maps had that in mind and less about race, but more about, okay, Cherokee County, part of Cherokee County. Com- communities of interest. Right. The, the community of interest, it, right? compact. The community of interest of Eastern Cherokee County and Forsyth County are very similar, right? Yep. And even North Fulton. That, that area for Rich McCormick's 6th Congressional District makes sense. When you think about yep. it like that. And and the portion of Gwinnett that it has. Right. It's very similar. Right. And so it yep. stretches, a, you know, but it's a big area because congressional districts are huge anyway. There's only 14 of them. Right. And the 11th district where I live is Bartow and Cherokee County. Most of Cherokee County. We're twinsies. <laughs> yep. I mean, when it comes to education level, socioeconomic status, demographics, there are probably no two counties in the state that are put together side by side that are so similar as Bartow County and Cherokee County. I mean, we're brother and sister, basically. The map that the judge kept referring to in the congressional maps would split Cherokee County in three. Mm-hmm. I would be in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district in that map, which mm-hmm. gives me violent thoughts. But I really like being in the 11th district. I love Barry Loudermilk as my representative. I think he really represents me well. I, I love that, that his team, I love his family approach. I, I it, The dude represents me in Congress. I mean, he really does. Yeah. And so I, I love my congressman. I don't want to lose Barry Loudermilk based upon the fact that somebody wants to re-rig these maps and then put me in the 14th and then make me want to run for Congress right? <laughs> or alternatively have violent thoughts, which possibly could be the same thing. I don't. And you might have your wife might have my wife would definitely have violent thoughts uh, towards me for sure. (laughs) Yeah. See, so I live in the in kind of this little corner of Gwinnett, the northern part of Gwinnett. I'm in Andrew Clyde's district. I I don't know a mile or two mile south of me is Lucy McBath in the seventh. You know, a mile to my right is to my left rather is is Rich McCormick. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in a different congressional district when this all shakes out because. There are also a lot of African Americans around me, so I think if you're, yeah, you know, if you're looking to increase a you know, African American rep- 
you know, numbers in a in a congressional district, here we are. So I suspect I'll be in a different congressional district. Hopefully not the fourteenth. Well, I mean, geez, I I don't know what they're going to do with that because it's clearly that in reaction to Rich McCormick's, they're targeting the Democrats are targeting Rich McCormick. I think yes, more than anybody, they think that's the area that they can pick up that would give yep. them an extra seat. And, hey, and this is a national, this is national implications, right? There's only a five exactly. seat majority for the Republicans in exactly. Congress, and if Georgia loses one, they're down to four. That's why, yeah, that's see, that's why I think that. Look, I mean, obviously, the Republicans have the whatever maps the Republicans come up with, they've got the votes to put it through, but the noise and the furor is going to be directed at those. In my opinion going to be directed to those congressional maps because of that. The noise and fury regardless of what the Republicans right. come up with. Regardless. Yes. Yep. So we've had some action here switching topics. We, we've we had some action here on the presidential front. We've had two of our presidential cam- candidates who had previously asked for the ability to be on the ballot in the Georgia presidential preference primary. Johnson and mm-hmm. Scott have both dropped out. Tim Scott have both well Words matter here. They didn't drop out. Yes. They suspended their campaigns. And because they didn't officially withdraw, the state party has unanimously voted to keep their names on the ballot through the March primary here in Georgia. Right. Very curious. And so that means that you, as a voter, will still have the ability to go in and vote for two people currently. And by the time we get to March, it will be fewer. There will be less candidates who will have not suspended their campaigns. I suspect maybe two people by the time. We might be looking Mm -hmm. at a DeSantis-Trump straight-up matchup by the time we get to March. Probably with Haley in there. Well, Haley would be the third, right? So Haley, DeSantis, Mm -hmm. Trump, those are your top three candidates right now. Everybody else by then will have likely suspended their campaign. But if you go and vote for anybody that has not suspended their campaign, or that has, I'm sorry, if you go and vote for anybody yeah. that has suspended their campaign, like Tim Scott, your vote doesn't count at all. Gets right. tossed. So is this a right. dunderheaded move by the state Republican Party? Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it is. And here, here's the reason why. I mean, I, I think they're, they're, it's semantic. And, you know, with all due respect to Josh McCoon, he's a friend, right? He's a friend of the show. He's a friend of ours. We're cheering for him. We want him to be successful as chairman of the Republican Party. And he's trying to fa- walk a fine line in, all these, in a bunch of these things, right. keeping the Trump people happy who run the party, quite frankly. They are the establishment in Georgia, just to be honest about it. Right. But it's word games. Nobody officially withdraws from the presidential race. They suspend their campaign. And I, I don't know all the legal reasons why, but it has. I, I believe it has something to do, and readers can... You know, listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it has something to do with the ability to pay bills and pay debt, if any has been accumulated. So that's why these people suspend their campaigns. They don't legally terminate their campaign because you got to do something with the money that's sitting there. So it's they're not running for president. They're not running for president anymore. They shouldn't be on the ballot. Right. When you, especially, look, every one of these presidential preference primaries, there are people who drop out and it's just too late. You know, somebody drops out a week before 
Georgia votes, there's nothing you can do right. about it. This right? is why I no longer uh, but vote this is, early. This is a long time. I, I yes. no longer vote early in a presidential preference primary. Yes. Because the only reason you should ever vote early in a presidential preference primary, if you are not physically going to be in the state of Georgia right. on, on, on that date. Right. Otherwise, you should vote that day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're going to be. I mean, I don't know. Tim. You know, by the time we get to this, they're probably going to be tens of thousands of votes tossed out, maybe more, mm-hmm. just because they will. The accumulation of people not voting. But yeah, any. And listen, nobody should vote for Tim Scott and who's the other guy, Johnson. Yeah. I don't even know who that is. But <laughs> nobody should vote for those guys because the GOP should not have put them on the ballot. Right. They should have only submitted the people who are out there actively campaigning. Right. There needs to be. I think this could be a federal law change where. Because yeah. I think you've nailed it that people don't withdraw, they suspend so they can continue to pay people on the campaign that need to yeah. be paid. Their vendors, their ad bills, the whatever rent under contract that they continue to have, and they can continue to raise money, I think, in the event that they need to do that to pay off people that ha- that are owed money. So that's right. a law fix, right? That could be a separate yes. reform that if that your campaign doesn't need to be on the ballot. You don't have to use this suspend suspension, but that you that if you withdraw from a race using that word and everything it means, that you can continue to pay your bills. You know, as a corporation, yeah. as an incorporation, you can continue to meet your obligations. And this way, voters aren't screwed when their vote right. is completely tossed out because they voted for you and your name's on the ballot. Because here's the problem. Uh, I mean, people who go vote in the presidential preference primary are probably more informed than the average voter because they take the time. But there are still going to be people who walk into that polling place, they get their ballot, and they look there and they say, oh, Tim Scott's still on the ballot? Awesome. I love Tim Scott. I'm voting for him. Now, Josh McCoon in his statement said that he trusts voters to not do that. That that is, uh, you're basically calling voters dumb if they do that. (laughs) But you've created a system where... You make that possible for them, which is, yeah, it's the system. And let's be honest here. You said this a second ago. The establishment Republican Party in Georgia is the Trump machine. It's MAGA. Absolutely. And this benefits Trump because he cannot yes. get over 50%. But we give yep. out our delegates on a proportional basis, as the party is allowed to do. And if you, if by congressional district, so if he wins the most votes, if he's first past the post, has the highest number of votes. In any one area, then he gets the majority of the delegates for that congressional district. And then. So the more wasted votes. Right. The more. And this will be true of, you know, Chris Christie. Please, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. Well, it's probably better for us non Trumpers that Ramaswamy stay around longer because he's mini Trump. Trump's mini me. The thing Uh, is, though. He's only stealing votes from Trump. I don't think he's stealing votes from Trump either. I think it. I, I think the Trump vote is baked. Like I think that's done. Like the there is there are, there's a, a large percentage of Republicans in Georgia and across the country that will vote for Trump no matter what, and they're not voting for anybody yeah. else except for Trump. And the problem though is he can't get over fifty percent, but it right. it inflates his number when you take ten thousand people who voted for a candidate that's no longer running for president, and you yeah. just completely exclude them as if they didn't vote. Talk about voter disenfranchisement. Yeah, uh, this is. Uh, it is beyond me that you would want this to happen while at the same time talking about election integrity as your number one issue. Like if you're, if you're really concerned about election integrity, you would have a ballot 
where only people who were wanting to run for president would be on the freaking ballot. It is a dunderheaded move by them. But, you know, we're talking about dunderheads. <laughs> There's an infinite supply there of them. There are. And one of them is, this estate, is the congressman from New York, George Santos, who recently, you know, he's under fire. He gave this speech under yesterday. Indictment. Well, he's under indictment. He has not been convicted. So allegedly yep. has committed a whole host of really terrible things where he's lied about who he is. He's lied about his resume. He didn't say he was Jewish. He said he was Jew-ish. Yeah, that's something he actually did say. He <laughs> he went on Kennedy show on Fox and said that he never heard of OnlyFans until recently, but then it was apparently using campaign funds to purchase OnlyFans porn. He got busted doing that. And so they're wanting to, there's a group of people who are wanting to throw him out of Congress and expel him. And he said, well, I saw, I saw a tweet by Olivia Beavers. Is that the reporter's mm -hmm. name? Yeah. Olivia mm -hmm. Beavers. Uh, there's a large group of Republicans willing to vote to expel him so that it, it may happen. Right. Which would be extraordinary because that doesn't happen very and often. And he's basically throwing the gauntlet down and said, expel me because I'm not quitting. Yeah. Yep. But if I and they might oblige but I'm not going to run for re-election in New York, but I might move to the North Georgia mountains. Me and my husband, he says, have always enjoyed yep. the North Georgia mountains. And maybe I'll run there, he, which would mean a primary challenge to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, I think, listen, I'm not trying to cause trouble here, but there, there is a... Um, I won't say it's a large community, but there, there are a lot of gay folks who live in gay gay people, LGBTQ people, who live in blue. Well which established, would not be, uh, yeah, a gay community. And I tweeted back as a joke to Greg Bluestein this that you know the ep an epic Santos MTG race would just, I mean, man, that that might tear uh, the space time continuum. I I don't know what would happen. <laughs> Black holes would open up. I mean, it would just, it would be unbelievable. I think Andrew Clyde would probably say, all right, let's settle this man-to-man. -man. Let's have an arm wrestling contest, and when winner gets elected and loser goes let's, home. Let's, hey, here's like, the, uh, I'll provide the AR-300 I can see Andrew Clyde saying, hey, look, let's just shoot out. We'll do a shootout. Not at we'll each a, other. A target, we'll, yeah. do, we'll go out to the range. Right. Not a, and, not a yeah, duel. The, the, and here's the AR-15. If you can hit the target at all from 300 meters i'll let you have the seat <laughs> and then he would bullseye the target i'm certain andrew clyde would be a better shot than the... but i'm pull, i'm pulling for the the epic showdown between santos and mtg i mean that would just that'd be an all-time race yeah i mean I... the ajc would dispatch 30 reporters to just sit there Oh, covering it all the day material long, would be it would constant just... it would be constant oh, yeah. but i'll tell you my i have the more traditional georgian point of view on this and to george santos sir you and the horse you rode in on <laughs> i'm not interested he ain't from around here I, that's he ain't for sure. from here and i ain't interested you and the horse you rode in on. just turn around and head back to new york we've had enough carpetbaggers <laughs> in the south yeah we don't need but, you but this here's the thing but here's the thing here's the problem with that scott the 14th district elected somebody who didn't live there, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She wasn't from around there. The 7th district, we, you know, well, just south of me, they elected Lucy McBath, who ain't from Gornet County. 
And it's not even clear when she ran the first time it, she was accused yeah, of. I, I'm not saying not to everybody. Not in the state of look, Georgia. So I, I don't know that this, you know, if, San, if Santos can find a niche. Well, you, you, you know? are the more welcoming Georgian. I am the traditional Georgian. Get the hell out of my state. <laughs> I don't want you here. I don't want you here. I already. I'm just trying to prop yeah. up the uh, the news. I know. I mean, because that would uh, imagine the memes, as the kids would say. I, oh, it, just imagine yeah. the memes. That we, we would be constant here, and we could continue to be the yeah. center of the political universe in a way that I wouldn't be. But you know who else wants to come to Georgia? Adam Kinzinger. <laughs> A- yeah, Adam Kinzinger. I mean, we're just has threatened or stated depending on your point of view, to come to Georgia next year to campaign on behalf of Joe Biden if Trump is the nominee. Well, that, yeah, that's, I mean, I won't name names, but I'll say I I can tell you off the air, Scott, we have a mutual friend who met with him and was not impressed. (laughs) Adam Kinzinger? Uh, I, I think the guy, yeah, I think he's, you know, I know everybody dumps on Liz Cheney. I think Liz Cheney, you know, in her mind, you know, is trying to stay true to her principles. Adam Kinzinger is, I'm not impressed either. I, 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 you know, fine. You want to go campaign for Joe Biden? No Democrats will listen to you, and now neither will any, and no Republicans will listen to you. He, he will impact exactly zero votes. But I'm sure he'll be able to raise money to have somebody. I mean, the Lincoln Project, those dudes raised uh, tens of millions. So I'm sure Kinzinger can raise a bunch of money. Yeah, I mean, CNN's- And go make noise and uh, will affect zero, change the minds of zero voters. CNN's two favorite people to have on their show to give the Republican point of view, Adam Kinzinger and Jeff Duncan, because they're two Republicans that are willing to bash on Trump nonstop. And they love it. They uh, That's their well, audience. At least, at least Jeff Junk is still a Republican. Oh, do you think that Jeff Duncan would come to or be in Georgia campaigning on behalf? He wouldn't be campaigning for Joe Biden. I'll tell you well, that. Uh, to to Mr. Mr. Kinzinger, again, I say, you <laughs> and the horse you rode in on, do not come here. That, that would ultimately, if you understood Georgia at all, you would know that if you come to Georgia to camp, you come to Georgia to campaign on behalf of Joe Biden. It will actually drive turnout for Donald Trump. It absolutely will. You are not liked here. People do not respect you for what you have done or said. They do not like being condescended to in the way that you condescend on people, saying that you can't vote for Donald Trump if you like America, if you like democracy. Nobody cares about your point of view. Nobody does. You and the horse you rode in on, turn around, get out of my state. Anyway. <laughs> you got anything else you want to add to I that? I disagree. I, yeah, he's wasting his time. He's absolutely wasting his time. And he, he, as I said, he will change the minds of zero voters. Yeah. No, I think you're right. The, the, the other folks who are fighting for their jobs got a little bit of a reprieve. You know, this year we've had a whole spate. Spate's probably the word of district attorneys yeah. throughout the state who have just failed at some very fundamental aspects of their job. And we're not talking about Fonnie Willis. If we're going to name names, Deborah Gonzalez out there in athens Clark County can't even prosecute basic stuff. She can't keep prosecutors on staff. She blames money when other counties don't or have the same amount of money to pay their employees and they're not having the turnover as she's having. 
she's she's lost murder cases where she just didn't follow mm-hmm. proper process. She is completely incompetent. She's yep. completely incompetent. We suffer. Her name doesn't get thrown out much, but the district attorney here in Gwinnett County, the conviction rate for violent crimes, murders has gone down. Right. Yeah. So, so, so you have a spate of these throughout the state. You know, we had one down there in South Georgia with the Ahmad Arbery mm-hmm. case, as an example. Yep. Who engaged in a cover-up, essentially. So you have these, they're not all DAs, not all of them, but you have some areas where the voters just didn't get it right. People are suffering. You know, justice is being denied to people because these DAs are not capable. They're incompetent. They're not capable of doing the job. Deborah Gonzalez had never been a criminal lawyer before she was elected to district attorney in Athens, Clark County. The Democrats, so the Republicans this year passed a piece of legislation that said, we're going to create a commission. And if people are really fired up, they can apply to this commission to have their DA removed from office and replaced. And that passed along partisan lines. Fonnie Willis actually came to the legislature to testify against the bill because she felt like it was being passed because of her. And there are some Republicans who would love to see it used against her, but I don't think Mm -hmm. that's a majority of Republicans. It's a handful of Republicans who will use that process. But the law said that the state Supreme Court would issue the guidance on what the standards would be for the commission so that the behavior or whatever the qualifications are, the practice of law would be established by the state Supreme Court. The state Supreme Court this week said, we we politely declined to participate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, on the one hand, you would think, you know, the, the, we have given, this happened, I think while we were there, Scott, we beefed up the power of the governor to remove certain elected officials, including the sheriff uh, of a county. Yeah, this was governor that ability yeah, to do that because if, of the if, Jim if Beck misbehaving... insurance commissioner who stole. Yes, you know, but ton of also money. because of uh, walking small down there in, in Clayton County, <laughs> uh, school board members have been removed from office. Walking small. This um, is the sheriff that was shooting people. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, but I think it's a, it seems to me just kind of glancing at the article you sent the WABE article. I mean, telling district attorney is a whole different kind of of elected official than school board member, say, which the governor has the power to remove from office. <laughs> Excuse me. So, I it, I mean, that's kind of what I get from reading this. I haven't read the, I'm not an expert in the law. I'm not a lawyer. I haven't read the ruling. I'm just reading this article and it, you know, prosecutorial discretion is a big deal. And, you know, th- there already is a remedy in place to vote out. You can vote out lousy. If you've got a DA and, you know, Deborah Gonzalez or my district attorney here, who's already drawn a Democratic challenger. So, you know, we can vote them out. And removing them from office is a tough thing. I get what the legislature was trying to do. If I was there, I probably would have voted for it because I think it's, there There does need to be oversight. You, you do need to be able to do something when you have a rogue prosecutor who's doing crazy things that, that endang- endanger the public. Right. But it, it's it, tough because they are, a different kind of elected official than a school board member or even a sheriff. Yeah, I think the stakes are higher, and that's why it's even more yeah. important. They are different, but if they fail to do their job, then the criminal element responds. 
And yeah. I think the fact that they're a murderer. I mean, this guy in there's one case in Athens, Clark County, where a guy was witnessed by multiple people stabbing somebody in the neck with and yeah. that dude will never see the inside of a courtroom because his case was tossed with prejudice on a technicality because she didn't follow yeah. the process. And yeah. that's not that's no, way no, more important right. than somebody yeah. who votes on what school books are in the library or what right. the budget's going to be for the inside of a classroom. That's like we're talking about life and death at right. that point. So I think yeah. it's way more important. And Houston Gaines, one of our good friends, has decided he's going to drop legislation in January to remove the requirement for the state Supreme Court to issue the guidance. Yeah. So that commission well, can continue right. to Right. That's probably the proper thing to do is to go and- Right. Since, all right. You, you've got the input from the judicial system now. Change it to, to fix right. it. I mean, the state bar could set these things just as easily and would probably be a willing participant- because there, right, there is a judicial qualifying commission, which I think is kind of what this was modeled right. on, right? That, that that has the ability to recommend the removal of judges, right. and has, but ultimately those yes. cases go to the Supreme Court too. And there are even complaints that they were too, you know, right, too lenient, removing too right. many judges. Well, yeah, it, there's been a balance: too lenient, too harsh. Yeah, and yeah, that's been an ongoing thing. I want to talk a moment for about our our anonymous contributor. We have anonymous partner level Patreon who has been donating every single month. Uh, he doesn't want to be named, but we just think he's a great guy because he's asked us to talk about the Alzheimer's Association. You can learn more about the Alzheimer's Association at alz.org. The Alzheimer's Association leads the way to end Alzheimer's and all other dementia by accelerating global research, driving risk reduction and early detection, and maximizing quality care and support. You can learn more about the Alzheimer's Association at alz.org. And I just want to say to our anonymous contributor here, thank you so much for allowing us to mention them on the podcast every week. If you too want to be a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash peachpundit and sign up for any one of our tiers. Don't sign up for the $100 tier. You can sign up for anything else. If you're interested in advertising on the show, reach out to me at scott, with one T, S-C-O-T, at peachpundit.com. And we can work out something with you there. But thank you to our anonymous contributor and go visit alz.org. Judge, judges, judges. We have judges everywhere making decisions <laughs> about judicial maps. We have court has ruled finally that our public service commission elections can move elections can move forward using the district system where somebody must live in a district, but they are elected statewide. This had been placed on pause. Because a judge had a lower court in a lower court had ruled again that this was racially dis disparate and that African Americans were disadvantaged under a system like that, which was interesting to me because one of the people they were targeting was Fitz Johnson, who was an African American yes. man. Um, right. Weird, you know, to say, you know, no African Americans are serving on the PSC while an African American man is serving on PSC board. Okay, <laughs> whatever. You sued the state. And the higher court said, no, federalism actually works in this case, and that the state has yeah. the ability to set how they want to elect their public service commission any way they want. I don't understand. Right. And th there have been African-Americans elected statewide numerous times in the state of Georgia. Right. I mean, uh, our old D attorney general. Thurber Baker. Thurber Baker. Was, yeah. yeah. Thurber Baker was Michael Thurman, their Department of Labor commissioner, multiple terms. Yeah. 
Denise Majet was our senator for a term. Oh, no, Senate she was nominee, right? She, she, yeah, Senate nominee, right? Excuse me. She didn't win. Right. Oh, but now we have you know, Raphael Warnock, who's a Demo- who's a mm-hmm. uh, an African American, obviously. Right. So, so I think, yeah, this is kind of what we were back to earlier, Scott, where Democrats want to substitute the word African American for Democrat, right. or excuse me, the word Democrat for African American, right. and use this to what they're really complaining about is there haven't been enough Democrats on this on the Public Service Commission in recent. But compare years. and contrast the ruling here. The judge says the higher court says. Georgia, because of federalism, is allowed to select how they want to elect their candidates however they want, but not on their congressional maps or their state house maps or their state senate maps. Mm-hmm. Did, am I the only one who sees the disconnect between these two rulings? <laughs> am, is it just me? Am I the problem, as you Swifties like to say? Well, it's me. It's an existential <laughs> question, but. <laughs> No, there's a disconnect here. And uh, the courts are so confusing. <laughs> I mean, they just like, what's the weather out like today? Okay, that's how we're going to rule on yeah. these election issues. It's so nuts. You know what else is nuts? <clears throat> Our friend Colton Moore. I, I teased out the beginning of the, the session here that we had a, a segment to do on Colton Moore. Colton Moore today, <laughs> yes. at the beginning of the legislature, I was talking with a member who I asked, you know, Colton Moore has been kicked out of the Republican caucus for bad behavior, he, for attacking his, his well, for technically for violating caucus rules, but really for being an ass. Right? He's, yeah. He has been a complete and total ass to his colleagues, specifically Shelley Eccles, Bo Hatchett. So, and I wrote a piece about how he was going to endanger people's lives because of the way he was behaving. He, was, he had gone on several different talk shows claiming that it was time of... We were about on the brink of civil war. He was calling for a special session to oust or to e- evict or to impeach, mm-hmm. defund, defund, impeach, whatever yeah, he could Fonny think Willis. Of. And so today I asked a member, hey, are you going to let him back in? And they said, well, if he ever changes his behavior, we'll let him back in. <laughs> so yeah, never will they let him back in. And today he started out the special session via what they call a, a privileged moment or in the Senate, similar to morning orders, right. points of personal privilege or something. He got up and he condemned the Senate today for not <laughs> protecting Donald Trump from election interference by Fonnie Willis. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they're never letting him back in. But that's not the reason why I added him to that happened after I added him to the agenda today, because on his social media. Well, I did. I, one quick thing about oh, yeah. that. I did like. How Greg Bluestein phrased that uh, you could hear the eyes rolling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I actually, I've used that line on my daughter. You know, I think the folks in the International Space Station just heard you eye roll. I've used that with my daughter. So, yeah, I bet you could. I wasn't in the room when he did that. I did see Bluestein's tweet, and it's just hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> but you, to, to set up this next part, we got to talk a little bit about Conor McGregor. Now, how is Conor McGregor and Colton Moore connected? This is how. <laughs> uh, Conor McGregor has been on fire on social media condemning the way his Irish president, you know, he's from Ireland. He's an Irish citizen. Yeah. And Conor McGregor fears no human being on the face of the planet 
He fears no consequences for any of his actions, and that has proven out to be true in various different ways. I loved one time he won a fight, and he's like, I'd like to apologize to absolutely nobody, right? So, <laughs> like, the dude is, he's unapologetic about whatever it is that he believes, and there was a situation with Hamas in Ireland, an Irish citizen being kidnapped by Hamas in Israel, and the she was negotiated it, it, for yeah. her release. The And the way the president of Ireland couched it was like, we found her. She was lost and we found her. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And, but there was also, Scott, there was a, there were riots. Okay, there was a stabbing. A man allegedly uh, from Algeria stabbed multiple people in Ireland before it was stopped. And, you know, that drew a response. Massive crowds, you know, I'm not condoning this activity, but it was in response. It was you know, more or less riots. And there was property destruction and all sorts of horrible things that came out of that. And th- th- so that's wrapped up in this too. McGregor has been very critical right. of the leader of, of he, Ireland. He's completely gone on the warpath. He's yes. called him all kinds of names on social media. He's attacked him, his character. He's called him feckless and weak and things like that. I don't know if he uses those exact words, but that's the impression I've gotten. And so the government yeah. of Ireland has decided they want to investigate Conor McGregor attacking the government verbally. Mm-hmm. And so our friend Col- enter Colton Moore, stage left. <laughs> Colton Moore comes on stage and he's like, he screenshots a, a headline of a story about how the Irish government is investigating Conor McGregor. And he posts this on his own social media with a big headline, we must protect our First Amendment. Buzz, yeah. who is going to tell him? Well, I mean, I was thinking, you know, Trump wanted to buy Greenland. Maybe Colton thinks that Trump bought Ireland. You know, it has land in the name. Maybe he thinks that Trump bought Ireland and that therefore the First Amendment protections of our wonderful Constitution extend to the Irish people. But the um, First Amendment I don't to know. the Constitution I mean, this is... of the United States of America must yeah. be protected from Irish citizens in Ireland being investigated by the <laughs> Irish government. I mean, look, it's an outrage that McGregor finds himself for things that we take for granted in the United States, right? If he was here, he could say whatever the heck he wanted to say about Joe Biden, about Donald Trump, about anybody else, whoever the president is at the time, he can say whatever he wants, and he would have that right. That's not the case in Ireland, unfortunately, and that's a shame, but they don't have uh, the First Amendment. No, they don't. They don't have First Amendment. Senator... Your high school civics class teacher is calling and would like to take your passing yeah. grade back from you. That's all yes. I'm going to say about that. We did have <laughs> some sad news this week. In this time of Thanksgiving, as we enter the holidays, we did have some sad news that we must and are obligated by the greatness of this individual and her passing. That was Rosalind Carter um, has passed away, and she was obviously First Lady of the United States of America. What I found most touching, Jason Carter, who was a state senator that we served alongside of and ultimately became a a gubernatorial candidate, did not obviously win against Nathan Deal. He gave a eulogy and he said, this is a woman who doesn't need a eulogy because her life was a sermon. And I just thought, wow. I mean, that just gives me goosebumps. Yeah, that was it was a good. Clearly, he loved his grandmother. And she was more than yep. just first lady. She was grandma 
to to Jason Carter, Senator Carter. Yep. And uh, just a a good human being above all the other things. Just if I pass, I would hope that somebody would say something like that about me when I go. That, yep. that was an incredible sentiment. And you know, she was married for seventy seven years to Jimmy. Yeah. It's amazing. So taking a moment. Yeah, condolences to the Carter family and friends. And uh, there was a article in the Washington Post that mentioned that because all, all of the fir- living first ladies were there, including Melania Trump, right? And Jason actually had a former Senator Carter had a, a funny line where he re- individually, individually recognized the first ladies and talked about you know what a special uh, club it is to be that his grandmother was a part of. And then he he said, and also former President Clinton was there, and former and President Biden were there too, sitting with their wives, the first ladies. And he said, and we're glad that you brought your lovely husbands with you, and that drew a lot of laughs. <laughs> but the the Washington Post article pointed out that Rosalind Carter specifically said, "I want Melania Trump to be there because I want all the first ladies there." And I, and it, it was an attempt to send a message, even in her last days, that there are things, there are more things that unite us in this country than divide us in this country. Hmm. And if you know, if Rosalind Carter can do that and invite Melania Trump, I'm sure there, I'm sure it ruffled the, a lot of Democratic feathers and feathers of people on the left. I saw a lot of tweets mocking Melania Trump for being there, but she was there because Rosalind Carter wanted her there, hmm. and that. As you said, Scott, I think that speaks to uh, the kind of person she was, and uh, we need a lot more of that in our politics uh, these days. We would have been remiss if we didn't mention it all. We just our condolences again to the Carter family. What what an example of a life well lived. We have reached the end of our programming, but I, we would we really need to talk about our people who rock, and yeah, those are the folks who reach into their pockets every single month and donate voluntarily to help us keep on going, to keep us on the air. And those are the folks who, it, it's just five bucks a month is, is the minimum level. They get this shout out along with some other benefits. If you want to be with us on the, the live broadcast, sign up at the $10 level. If you want to get a t-shirt with one of our faces on it, you can sign up at the $50 level. We'll do, we'll, yeah. we're all kinds of We'll do all kinds of things. We're not trying to grift into. It may not be as the enticement that we think. No, it is. nobody's ever signed up for the fifty dollars level. But <laughs> those are the folks who do this. Uh, they are James Hall, Colin Martin, Tony West, Rob Lee, Shannon Ferguson, Stuart Wilkinson, Ari Schaefer, Ron Daniels, Mike Buchert, Andy Smith, our anonymous contributor, Andy Allen, Bo Brannon, Ryan Graham, Hunter Burnett. John Vestal, Reed Powell, Benjamin Hurst, and the OG, Sam Thomas. Thank you all for being Patreons. If you've been listening to this, thank you for listening. Take a moment to share this with your friends. Hit the like button. That'll help us a ton. Share it. Subscribe. Hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can listen to us there. But do the like thing. Hit the like button. That really is going to help us out. Thank you for listening. And leave a review. That helps us spread the word. Yeah, we had one guy who never listened to the podcast leave a review, which was fantastic. Oh. You know, it was, yeah. <laughs> that was great. Not really. But you can leave a review too. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Go Jack.